0: Hello and welcome to 10 Minutes on a Hopeful Manifesto for the Economy, a podcast from the Joint Public Issues team. My name is Hazel Lee. I'm one of the JPIT interns and joining me today is Paul Morrison, who is one of the JPIT policy advisors. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining me. Hiya. In anticipation of the next general election, political parties are planning their pledges for election manifestos. The Joint Public Issues team has been thinking about what pledges we'd like to see. This is the first of six special 10 minutes on podcasts offering our thoughts on what would make manifestos truly hopeful, based around JPIT's six hopes for society. We hope to inspire you to think about what your hopes for party manifestos might be, and perhaps you can write to your MP or a political party to suggest them. So with that in mind, I think we'll start by thinking about why one of our six hopes is for a just economy that enables the flourishing of all life. So why, Paul, should Christians want to see a just economy? Why should we care? Why is the economy important? Um, What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, in terms of an election, almost every election, the the sort of central piece of every manifesto is about the economy. I mean, there's a saying in politics, it's the economy, stupid. Mm. That's what wins and loses elections. Often that means something very narrow. It often means something narrow about whether people feel richer or poorer but the economy is a lot more than that the economy is about how we nurture the environment we're in how we create things from that environment and how we distribute those things Mm. and how we distribute the resources of all of our of of all of our activities and all of our work and that's done by a set of rules that is often invisible we often think they're almost God-given, they're like gravity, that this set of rules, uh, the set of rules that say how, how things should be created and how things should be distributed. But the thing is, they are made by us. Those rules are changeable. And it's really important that we recognise it. And even more important, it's really important that we recognise that those rules have been changing all the time in some people's favour and against other people. Mm. And we need to be open to that and open to understanding the electoral process and governments can change that and should change that if it creates unjust outcomes
0: yeah absolutely and i think as christians we have a real a real stake in this and a real voice should have a real voice in this space as well
1: absolutely so a long time ago uh the the it was only maybe the 1880s that anybody would recognize the idea of uh, of an economist or somebody who mm-hmm. studied the economy before that there was political economy and then there was just philosophy and even theology because an idea about how you distribute the proceeds of what we do, actually that says something about human relationships, that says about something about what we owe to each other, that says something about community and what communities owe to each other. It's not just about numbers and graphs as modern economics often looks at, it's actually about what is a good society and what is our relationships to each other. Mm. And often today when you see graphs or predictions or economic estimates baked in are lots of ideas and lots of assumptions about how humans want to interact. And I think Christians should have a lot to say about whether those assumptions are right, whether we want to change those assumptions, whether we want to challenge those assumptions. I think one of the key ones is that more is better. Monthly, we wait for the economic growth figures. And if we grow, it's good. If we shrink, it's bad. More of what? More medicine probably is a good thing. More rubber ducks? I'm not sure. Maybe. You might want an extra rubber duck. But really, if we're making a choice as to which to produce, if we're looking at the world at the moment, we can see that there are lots of places that need more medicine. Mm-hmm. And maybe more yeah. of medicine is the thing we should be aiming at.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I would just wonder if we can we can zoom in a little bit more into the the hopes that are on JPIT's manifesto hopes page on the website. So I'm just going to read those out and then we'll go into those a little bit more. The hopes are, number one, to review the tax system, ensuring that tax is levied in the jurisdiction where the value is created and at an effective rate that means that those are the most, proportionately pay the most. Number two, commit to developing economic metrics and pro-wellbeing well policy that encompass the environmental and social impacts of policy beyond GDP growth. And number three, create an industrial strategy to decarbonise the UK economy through structural change by using public sector investment, the tax system and regulation to prevent polluting technologies. So, um, that's a lot of words there. I wonder if we could kind of go into those a little bit more. Um, I wonder, Paul, if you could talk a little bit more about um, why these three areas are areas that we'd like to see change, um, the tax system, The kind of um, beyond GDP growth idea and the economy as it pertains to the climate crisis. I just wonder if you could talk a little bit more about those.
1: I think the biggest challenge of this generation is around climate change. We have an economy that is wedded to both fossil fuels and carbon emitting technologies. So even though we have known for a long time that these th- that this pollution is extraordinarily dangerous and may change the planet irrevocably, and we've invested lots of money in green technologies, we're actually using more fossil fuels this year than we used last. And we're using more fossil fuels this year than any year in human history. At the same time as being utterly convinced that using these fossil fuels can poison the planet. And the reason is that, the economy continues to grow and fossil fuel use, carbon dioxide emissions on a a global scale are so far inextricably linked. Hmm. So if we want growth, we are going to get more carbon dioxide emissions unless something radical and fundamental happens. And so I think both sides of that equation have to be challenged. One, growth is a really bad metric to understand whether or not people are able to live good lives and are able to flourish. If all of that wealth, and as has happened over the last 20, 30 years, if a disproportionate amount of that wealth goes to the very wealthiest already, overall well being doesn't change very much. Mm. The people who actually need more aren't getting it. So growth doesn't tell you anything about that. The other side of that equation is, obviously, we need to find a way of running an economy without carbon dioxide, and that isn't gonna happen by itself. There is not money to be made in the current system out of doing that. There is money to be made in developing those technologies and there's good livings to be made in the green technology sector. But fundamentally, that massive change that takes carbon emitting fuels out of the equation that requires concerted political effort. That requires us to say, we want it to go and we're going to put pressure, financial as well as legal pressure on letting it go. So that's, the, that's why we, we put those two, uh, those two next to each other. And the first one's straightforwardly around tax, the way in which a large amount of the proceeds of what the economy delivers, is redistributed is through the tax system. And that system has been systematically manipulated over the last 20, 30 years, such that money is moved to low tax jurisdictions, which means that even if money is made in one country, you move it to a country where there's very low tax, and then you store it there. And also money is not for you and me, I, I, I'm making assumptions here. But for you and me, most of our money is held in the United Kingdom mm-hmm. and, and our income is via a salary. For people who have lots of money, lots of their money is being moved about mm-hmm. the planet to avoid taxes. But not only that, they're not getting it in the form of income. They're getting it in the form of increased wealth, which mm-hmm. largely goes untaxed. So, again, if money goes into a household or into a company, It should be taxed at an equal rate. It doesn't really matter the mechanism by which it goes in there. Otherwise, all you're doing is you're creating creating incentives for high-paid professionals to construct mechanisms by which you get paid in whatever the most tax advantageous way is. Mm. Much simpler just to say, if my wealth goes up either via... Increase in asset prices or increase in salary by a thousand pounds, you tax it the same amount, and you tax it in the place where that value was created.
0: Great, that's really helpful. Thanks for unpacking this a little bit further, Paul. Now, I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast who are maybe already passionate about the economy, or hopefully who weren't before and are a bit more interested now. I'm just wondering, Paul, off the back of those questions, I wonder where where are the places that people could go to find out more, or um, to maybe to start thinking more deeply about these these issues.
1: Well, it it's it's lucky you should mention that because JP <laughs> has a wonderful course called Just Economics, which is about yeah. starting to recognize that the economy is something that we have created and that we can shape and change if we want to. And every time I talk about the economy to people, you can see in the back of their head this idea, but 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 it's always been like that. Or can it, these things have to be the same? They don't. Or people can get a better understanding of what, what changes are, what flex there is. And that's really yeah. important. I would recommend one book. It's mm-hmm. uh, not by a Christian author, but it, I think it's the one that has been most influential in my thinking about the world slightly differently, which is one called Donut Economics by Kate Rayworth, mm-hmm. which again tries to balance these two things. We know that we need to create food and we need to create goods and we create all sorts of things to have a good life. And we know that people who don't have enough of these things have a really poor life and we don't want that. That's not what God wants for anyone. But we also know that if we create so much and we dig up and we dig so much out of the ground and we burn so many things to create them, that actually the environment is going to be damaged. And the book is about asking the question of how do we balance between those two places? How do we live a life in which people have enough? the planet can still flourish. That's the path we're called to to tread as Christians and we're called to lead along as Christians.
0: Wonderful, I think that's a great place to end. Thank you for listening to this episode of 10 Minutes On. I'll be back next week with another guest to chat more about JPIT's suggestions for hopeful political party manifestos. If you want to hear more from the Joint Public Issues team, please go to our website at jpit.uk, that's jpit.uk. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do share it around.